Hello, and welcome to the Kosh. I'm your host, Timber Smith, and I am super excited to be here today with you. Um, hope all you Kosh listeners out there are doing really, really well. Uh, but let's be honest, you know why I'm really excited. I'm excited because I've got another amazing guest for this week's episode. Um, this week's guest is Jennifer Hayes. Uh, hey, Jennifer, how are you doing out there? I'm doing great. Thank you. Okay. So you ready to jump in? Ready as ever. Sounds good. Okay. So Jennifer, can you please tell us a little something about yourself and what is your connection to the Kosh? Yeah, absolutely. So I was not uh, born or raised here, but I actually moved here about 10 years ago. Um, and I grew up in Madison, went to school in Milwaukee, um, went to law school in Michigan and then came back. And, you know, when I first moved to this area, it was a really hard adjustment because it was the smallest city I've ever lived in. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to give it I'll give it five years because that's kind of what I needed for reciprocity if I wanted to move somewhere else and practice. And in that five years, I just kind of fell in love with the city and I ended up, you know, um, getting, you know, gaining a lot of connections and then eventually meeting my now husband. And I guess now you can say I'm a lifer. So (laughs) I really love this community and the fact that they've embraced me and my family and there's just so much to do. Okay. Yeah, uh, you know, the Kosh does have a way of uh, drawing you in and then keeping you once you're here. It's, it's a pretty yeah. cool community, you know? It is, and I will say, I don't miss the traffic of Milwaukee. <laughs> oh, no, no, let me tell you, traffic was one of my deciding factors for not going back to Milwaukee. And, uh, yeah, because, yeah. uh, you know, I don't want to give my life to travel, taking 45 minutes to go from one side of town to the other side of town. You know, it's so funny you say that because I'll never forget when I first moved here, um, I had to go to the other side of town to like some store to get something. And one of my neighbors was like, you're going to go all the way to the other side of town. And I was just like, that's crazy because it's like, that's like, it's like 15 minutes. You know, (laughs) when I lived in Milwaukee, that's like an hour trip. So it's all perspective, right? It is all perspective. All right, we're going to jump into the first segment. First segment is called What in the World is Going On With? That is where you take the phrase What in the World is Going On With and you share what is on your mind. Mm. I would say what in the world is going on with civility? And what I mean by that is that I think that there's just so much division and dissension that's happening today um, that it, that civility is really breaking down in our society. Um, that's and it. it's, yeah, it's, it's for me, I find it to be disheartening and, and frustrating and, um, you know, and it's difficult, I think, sometimes to work through, but it's, it's a necessity. Do you got an example? Is there something in uh, is there something specific that's on your mind or that has happened or has somebody made yeah. you feel some kind of way about some? You know, I felt I've been feeling that way for a while. Um, but what really kind of drove the stake home, so to speak, was my husband and I went on a trip to Colorado about a month ago. 
And we ended up going to a local restaurant, um, you know, sitting down at the bar to have a drink and, you know, grab something to eat. And some locals were sitting next to us. And and the conversation started off pleasant, you know, enough. Um, it was pretty interesting how they dove right into some, you know, the topics of COVID and, you know, the mask mandate and, and things of that nature. And, you know, through the conversation, I could just gather that, you know, we had different philosophies on different things, but, um, you know, still trying to keep it light and, and, um, have a good time. And just through the conversation, it became really aggressive and to a point where, um, that individual started using, you know, racial slurs and calling names and, right. and things of that nature. And I just thought, whoa, like, you know, we can we can be different people and we can have different philosophies, but I just don't understand why it has to get to that level just right. because there's difference, right? So um, to me, that was just a super disheartening experience that kind of solidified my concern of like the discord and the division that's that's present and, and continuing to sometimes I feel like grow. You know, when, when did difference become the divider when it was something that was celebrated in America. Our difference is what made America great, right? It's Mm -hmm. the thing we were celebrating was the fact that we were this melting pot of difference and that's what made us stronger. And now difference is, is in, there's no tolerance. There's no, we, we, we can't even like, we just can't break bread anymore. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's a really good point. All right. My what in the world is going on with is what in the world is going on with Facebook marketplace delivery. Now, (laughs) I'm going to tell you, here's, here's what I mean. So, you know, y'all know, Kosh listeners, I've been going through this remodel and part of the remodel process is you got to get a lot of stuff out your house so you can get the new stuff in your house. Right. Right. And I'm like, let's go on and sell some things. So I've been selling stuff and, you know, been selling it. You know, what I would say is a a dirt cheap, cheap enough to get it out the house fast. Right. Because we ain't trying to make a profit. We're trying to make space. And with why people. You put something on Facebook Marketplace for one dollar, and people talking about, "Can you deliver that?" What? <laughs> Bruh. No, no, it's a dollar. It is one dollar. It's five dollars. It costs me right. more than gas to deliver it than what the item is being sold for. And and the That's understanding crazy. of the marketplace etiquette, as far as I'm concerned, is you know you got to pick it up. If it ain't in your description that you are willing to deliver, right. and the rule says you got to come pick it up. If you want to yep. buy it, you got to pick it up. And and I am not kidding. I've had, and then, you know what's even worse? What? Why they want to get mad that you won't deliver the $1 item? <laughs> How you getting mad? Don't get mad. So, and look, I don't know what in the world is going on with that one, but. That's on some different. <laughs> so that's funny. So I have a Facebook marketplace story. So um, 
we're in the process of like packing stuff up and, and, and moving. And so, you know, I need boxes and I've been kind of shocked, like how expensive boxes could be to buy when you can't find them for free. And so I found a, you know, someone that was selling these boxes on Facebook marketplace. And so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, just gonna pay for them. I'm gonna go grab them, go get them. And so I get there and as I'm pulling up, I was like, you know, I should probably let, you know, my husband know, like the address of where I'm at and case anything. You just never know. Right. Just being safe. So gave him my address, texted him and uh, go into the house. And, you know, it was a lady, super nice. And she's like, yeah, all the boxes are um, they're in the basement. And unfortunately, I can't go down there and help you, you know, because um, some type of, you know, medical thing. And so I was like, you know, feel a little uncomfortable. I'm like, no problem. I can do that. Um, and then as I'm walking down towards the basement, she makes a comment of like, I bet you think once you go down there, you're not going to ever come back up. And I was Whoa. like, why would you say that? Whoa. That's- hey, Whoa. <laughs> look, I'm not going to lie. This already, like, you know what? it's all good. I already texted my husband. I let him know where I was at. Um, and so like I said that to put myself at ease, um, needless to say, I'm still here, still alive, got the boxes. It's all good. Um, but it's just interesting. No, that sounds like a lifetime movie opportunity. (laughs) And this is how my life ends. I go to get boxes off of Facebook marketplace. Look, don't, don't be on, don't, don't become a lifetime story. The story of Jennifer Hayes. Uh, right, <laughs> uh, box shopper. <laughs> All right, look. Okay, I understand. All right, we're jumping into the next segment, which is word association. I say a word, and you tell me what comes to your mind. Ooh. First word. Okay. You ready? Yes. First word: food. Food. Ooh, memories. Memories. Memories? Yeah. Okay, break that down. Uh, So growing up, um, you know, our family was, had very little means. um, And so there was a time in my life where I just, um, you know, it it was difficult. It was really hard and we struggled um, with a lot of different things. And, but one of the best memories I have is, you know, my, my dad would always he's the cook, he's the chef in the family. And he would always make these really wonderful dinners and he always made it special. And, you know, even though we didn't have a lot, um, there was really good memories surrounding the dinner table and that time together. And he also did a lot of special things, um, with food. Like I'll never forget, um, gosh, I must've been, I don't know, 10 or 12 years old. And I have younger siblings as well. And so, you know, we couldn't afford to necessarily go out to dinner um, for Valentine's Day or, you know, some type of holiday. And I'll never forget one Valentine's Day, he made a menu and he wrote down different options, like on a piece of paper. And he came to our rooms and he said, you know, I'm taking your order. You know, what would you like for dinner tonight? Here are the options. And then he, you know, made our special dinners and he set the table and, you know, put some candles on it. And, you know, I thought that was just such a sweet gesture. That's always just been burned in my memory of uh, what a great opportunity to do so much when you don't have a lot. Shout out to dad. Shout out to dad. All right. I I like that. Um, Cocktail or beer? 
Ooh, cocktail. But actually, can I say neither? And can I go with wine? <laughs> you can say whatever. Okay. Yeah, I would. If I had to pick between cocktail and beer, I would say cocktail. But if I actually had my first choice, it would be wine. Okay. Do we got a favorite wine? Oh, I'm an equal opportunist. Oh. So I, I like most of it, but I would say, you know, my preference is red. You know, the drier, the better, but I ain't going to be picky. Okay. I respect that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm one that chooses by what's available also if that is my choice. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Netflix. Oh, so that's so fascinating. So when I think of Netflix, I actually think of COVID because I have binge watched more stuff on Netflix in 2020 slash 2021 than I think I ever have in my entire life. Um, so yeah, it, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's an unbe- unbelievable resource, right? That's available. And What's, uh... now I'm hooked to all these shows and I have all of these like uh, emotional commitments to these characters that don't even exist. What's the what's the uh, favorite thing you you binged? What what was hot? Oh gosh, that's that's such a hard question. I would say what I'm into right now is sometimes, okay. So when people like are always being like, you gotta watch this, you gotta watch this. It's so good, it's so good. I kind of sometimes I'm a little hesitant. I'm like, eh. Um, but finally, I caved and I started watching The Crown. And I'm hooked and I'm already into season two and it's, it's really good, but there's a lot of really great shows, um, you know, or even like mini series, if that's the correct terminology, like the queen's gambit, I thought was really cool. And that's about a trust chess prodigy, you know, a female in you know, the 1960s and just, there's so much out there and that's what I love about Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Amazon. Oh, danger. <laughs> Bruh. Danger. Um, it's just, it's so accessible. It's so easy. You can find anything. And I've really, really had to insert some self-control of like, is this a need or is this a want? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I lo- I'm not going to lie. I love Amazon. Maybe too much. Uh, what was the last thing that uh, Amazon got you on? Oh, you know, it's so weird because I do so much shopping now through there. Um, This is going to sound so silly, but like, so the dishwasher pods that we use for our dishwasher, like at the store, I think if you can, you can get, I think 28 or 32 pods in the bag for like, I don't know, $14.99 or something like that. And on Amazon, I can buy like 72 pods for like 20 bucks. And I'm like, why would I not do that? So then if you have Prime, it's free shipping and it's all good. That's true. Look. So, you know, that's one of my quotes, you know, go broke, saving money. So <laughs> <laughs> I like that quote. We might have to steal that quote. All right. Music. Mm. Feeds the soul. I love music. I love I wouldn't say every type of genre, but 99% of the genres that are out there, I just, I, I love becoming 
immersed in something I don't know. I love hearing new things. I love um, the memories of what, you know, older music that I listened to, um, you know, that I would play. And, you know, I, you know, once again, shout out to dad. Like I credit him because uh, he was definitely like 70s, you know, rock and back when I was a little kid, you know, 10, 12, teenage years, like that's the last thing I wanted to listen to. I wanted to listen to like, you know, pop music or hip hop and and he made it a game and he made it fun. And so whenever we were on long car rides or whenever I would go deer hunting with him when I was a little kid, um, he would put on the station and he's like, well, let's make a game of it. You know, so he a song would play and he's like, I'll give you three guesses as to who it is. And eventually I was able to discern like the tone and, um, you know, different aspects of what make bands unique or individuals unique. And then it just became um, a way of life of just appreciating different things and, and listening to those nuanced details of what makes an artist an artist. Okay. I can appreciate that. So I think that you can really tell a lot by uh to what a person listens to by what they're rocking in their car because i think that is truly where when you're in the car you are playing what you really listen to so what's what's rocking in your car right now oh so okay so what's rocking in my car ties to like what so i love going to concerts and obviously with uh you know last year with Okay. All right. Uh, so last year <clears throat> with COVID, you know, I love going to concerts. Concerts are just, you know, just a part of an experience that I love doing and, and love being a part of. And so last year I was supposed to go to uh, Alanis Morissette's like anniversary concert and it got rescheduled for this September. So I've just been, you know, grooving to her jagged little pill CD in my car um, as a way to like, you know, preemptively be ready and prepared for that concert experience. But, you know, it's fascinating too, because, um, you know, recently I just bought tickets to see Elton John next year. And I wouldn't say I'm a big Elton John fan, but I think there's something to be said about, you know, just what an incredible musician um, he is. And I thought, you know, this is going to be one of his last tours, like go out on a limb, see it, experience it, because, it, you know, it's probably going to be my last chance. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Elton John would be a really sweet concert to check out. I, I'd want to yeah, see Elton super John. excited. Okay. Friendship. Mm essential, essential, at least for me, it's, you know, it's a part of my being, I have no family that lives close to, to here, um, or family that I see on a regular basis. And so, you know, my friends, um, are really an extended part of my family. And, you know, I think it's just really remarkable that, you know, as we grow, um, and evolve as people and maybe engage in things that we normally didn't do in the past, it just exposes you to an opportunity of meeting new people. Um, you know, I'll say, you know, you and I work together at UWO and you've been one of my closest friends here in Oshkosh. And I'll never forget when I left UWO to work at FVTC, like that was one of my biggest fears of like, I'm leaving this community, I'm leaving this group of people that, I've grown so connected to, and I don't know if I'm going to meet anyone else that is going to fit those needs. Um, but I am happy to say that I have, and you know, it just continues to grow. Like you just bring more people in the circle and it's, it's a really wonderful experience. 
I think, uh, look, uh, as somebody who's had a chance to work at Fox Valley Tech for for uh, a quick second back in the day, uh, they got some really cool people there. Like, I really enjoyed my experience there and the people, and they they were amazing people, and they did amazing things for, for the students. Yeah. Amen. All right. Next segment uh, is called the Kosh Hidden Gems. It's an opportunity mm. for you to share a hidden gem of Oshkosh, whatever you think. It could be a place or, or food, anything. So what what is your Oshkosh hidden gem? Oh, gosh, that's hard. Um, I don't know if a couple of things come to mind, um, and I don't know if they're quote-unquote hidden, um, but they're just little pockets of places that I enjoy. Um, so in, so back, you know, before we were in the house we're in now, we used to live on Washington Avenue. And before living on Washington, I had never heard of the Waters, um, you know, which is the yacht club that's just on the road. But they have a really reasonable, like, social membership. I think it's like 100 bucks for the year. Um, and because it was so close, that's how we discovered it. And it was a really nice little pocket where you could go and, you know, enjoy the water and see the sailboat races and, you know, have a drink. Um, So that's a place that's really kind of close to my heart because it was a part of so many memories back when we lived on that side of town. Um, And we still try to make it over, but obviously not as frequently now that we're on the west side. But I love the waters. Um, Another pocket that I really like is the pain. The Pain Arts Center. I love the fact that they have different, you know, exhibits that come through. And even if I may not necessarily be drawn initially to an exhibit, it's an opportunity to explore and learn and grow what, you know, what's being presented. And, you know, I also love that they have things for the kids like um, they have Midsummer Night Dream in the summer, which is a play. It's uh, that is performed by local actors and Um, They do it on a stage outside and all the kids get to sit around and it's really enjoyable. And of course, they also have like the Nutcracker and the Castle with the Sugar Plum Fairy uh, thing at the end, which uh, that's the kids' favorite part because that's when they get the cupcakes. So (laughs) (laughs) There's cupcakes? Oh, yeah. See, see, this is why we, we have this segment because I didn't know that there were cupcakes involved. Now that that interests me. And they're I, they're big cupcakes. They're good. Okay. All right. Uh, next segment. What's the cash need? Mm. That's a hard question. Um, I think that while the cash has a lot of offerings for the size of the city it does. Um, You know, one thing that um, stands out to me, and I think it's only because of, you know, the fact that I grew up in larger cities up until the point where I moved to Oshkosh, um, you know, there is, in my opinion, a lack of diversity um, within the community. And sometimes I think diversity offerings um, as a way of, you know, I think about like my children and and wanting to expose them to different things. And while there are some 
you know, pieces or things, especially through like UWO has a lot of different um, events. Um, it'd be nice if there were other community-based events, um, you know, that I could expose my children to and instead of having to take them, you know, to Madison or Milwaukee. We got room to grow. There we go. Yeah. You said it way quicker and more efficient. (laughs) 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 We got room to grow. All right. Well, I agree with that. Next segment, the naughty slash heroes corner. This is an opportunity for you to nominate something, someone, an organization, whatever to the naughty or heroes corner. So, but what do you got? Mm. Well, I'm sure that this has, you know, probably already been said, but I think it's worth repeating. You know, I just want to give a shout out to all the K through 12 teachers, um, you know, who have made extreme modifications in order to support our students and our community and, you know, also to, you know, higher ed and, um, you know, technical colleges for adapting, you know, to the pandemic and trying to meet the needs of as many people as they possibly can. And obviously two frontline workers and, you know, and everyone else. But what what speaks to my heart is just my experience with my children um, and how difficult that was for me as a parent to adjust. And I can't even imagine how it would be for, you know, being on the opposite end and having 20 kids that you're, you know, having to do that for. I, you know, I, I want to expand on that just a little bit. And I just want to ask, you know, uh, you, you teach. I do. <laughs> and so how, how was it for you? What were, what were the changes or how did, how did you remain connected to your students? What were the modifications you might've had to do to, to be able to still uh, you know, effectively teach mm-hmm. considering the circumstances that, that we all had to face. Yeah, absolutely. You know, luckily for me, from a technology standpoint, I was already well-versed, um, you know, to the platforms that were being offered. Um, so there wasn't a learning curve there, but I agree on the connection piece. There's something to be said for in-person teaching and having that face-to-face interaction. And I'll be honest, I I desperately missed it, you know, over the last year and a half. And I'm happy to share that, you know, starting this fall, be back in person for at least one of my classes. Um, You know, but one thing that I did that I found to be really insightful and helpful was I would do these confidential journal entries as a part of my class. And so what I would do is, you know, I'd ask a series of questions. Um, but the first question was like, how are you doing? You know, how are you doing at FETC? How are you doing in life? You know, um, how how has, you know, COVID-19 or this pandemic impacted you? Are there, are there stressors you're experiencing that I may not know um, that could be helpful? And, um, you know, then I asked them some questions about the class, but really the central, the centralization or the point was to let them know that I care and that I'm a resource for them or even just an avenue to be able to speak to someone if there were stressors in their life. And the one thing I was just blown away by was, you know, the amount of vulnerability and the level of sharing and the level of stress and the level of detail that each of my students were experiencing. You know, you know, some had, you know, multiple kids and trying to work from home, go to school and do, you know, 
that homeschooling at the same time, you know, other individuals lost their job. And so just a variety of concerns. And um, I feel like by opening that door, it allowed for conversation and connection to happen that may not have been able to happen before. That's awesome. You know, and, and then it's also too, it's, you know, it's, it's one thing when someone shares something, right? But then you got to do something about it like, to your level of ability, right? And so it's getting them connected to community resources or campus resources to help support them. You know, it takes a village. So if, if the pandemic didn't show us one thing, they did show us that it takes a village. For sure. Yeah. And to overcome it, it, it takes a village. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't agree more. Okay. We're ready to jump into the topic of the week. Gosh, listeners, as you know, if you've listened to shows in the past, the topic of the week is chosen by our guest, And I'm absolutely really excited about this, this week's topic of the week, because it's something that I've, toyed with me and my wife have toyed with in our mind and have had conversations about and and you know there's I, I too scared to ask or or not enough uh resources that felt comfortable enough to reach out to to learn more uh so I'm, I'm excited to jump into this and uh this week's topic of the week is foster parenting mm. all right so jen please uh share Share with the Kosh listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think before I can dive into that, I have to give a little bit of background information as to how um, my interest in that area grew. So when I was in law school in Michigan, I actually worked at a community center and I was a facilitator for a variety of classes. And I'll never forget, I had this student in my class that, I mean, he would always show up but he sat in the back of the room. He listened to his music. He never participated. He was never involved, um, despite my constant, pro- you know, prompting or requests. Like he just, he wasn't engaged. And, um, but he always showed up. And I thought that was just such a strange combination. And so I'll never forget. One night I was, I stayed late at work. I think I was leaving work around eight thirty at night. But it was in the summer, so it was still like relatively daylight out. And as I'm driving, I'm seeing the same student, the same kid, just walking kind of, you know, by a football field. So I pulled over and, you know, I just, you know, I asked him if everything was okay. And, you know, you know, I hate to say it this way, like, but why aren't you home? Like, it's a Tuesday night. You're only 13 years old. Like, you know, why are you not home? And, you know, he broke down crying and he said that he lived with foster parents and um, there was multiple kids in the house. And I guess the father, according to him, would, you know, drink pretty heavily and be violent. And so he always had, he had a routine. So he was in my class because that, that was something to do. Um, And then he had other stops that he would do after my class. But then what he would do is he would walk until like nine or nine 30 at night. And then he would go home because by that time his, his foster dad would be passed out. And I was just blown away um, 
by that that story and that experience. And, you know, I don't know if it was my naivety or just my lack of exposure, but it really opened my eyes to a system uh, that there could, there needs to be good people in it, right? There needs to be good people in it to help support other people. And, and not to say that, you know, all foster situations are, are bad or negative or, um, you know, abusive, but I do think that it does exist, especially with the vulnerability of what this student shared with me. And so that was my first exposure, right? Or my first, um, understanding of like, wow, there's this opportunity and, and obviously there's a need. So after I graduated from law school, um, moved back to the Oshkosh area and had my own practice, but would take court appointed cases. And some of the cases I ended up taking were, you know, as a GAL or a guardian ad litem. And so that gave me the opportunity to work on both sides of the aisle. So sometimes I would represent um, the child in the situation where it's a CHIPS case, which is Child in Need of Protective Services, where they're removed from their home for maybe a variety of reasons. Um, and then sometimes I even represented the parents um, who had their child removed, who were working towards getting their child back. And I think that experience really solidified in my mind, like, I know now is not the right time, but when the right time happens, like I really need to explore and and start this journey. Um, and I don't know if this is like TMI, but like I've never, me personally, have had a desire to quote unquote birth a child or be pregnant, but I've always had a desire to be a mom. And I thought, you know, there's so many, there's so many kids that are in this world that need a home. Like I don't need to have one to help, right? Um, or to, to be a parent. And so, um, you know, eventually, you know, ended up getting married and <laughs> Andy's probably not going to be happy. <laughs> this, but, so uh, um, when I first connected with Andy and broached the subject of like, let's be foster parents, uh, he wasn't that excited about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I did what any, you know, a good wife would do. I just ordered the paperwork, filled it out and and sent it in. Oh and so, no! You just you. <laughs> oh man! You, um, you just elbowed I, him into it. <laughs> you know, sometimes people just need a gentle nudge. So, <laughs> so um, you know, eventually he got on board, and he's an amazing dad. And so, uh, you know, long story short, uh, you know, we had a we had a placement. Our first placement was a, a little boy. Um, but we only had him for a couple of days. And I will tell you, it was so rough on our family when we had to take him back only after a few days. Um, the bond that you start to form with this little individual, um, it's strong. And I'll never forget, like, you know, our we have two older boys. And, you know, when I had to break the news that, you know, this, you know, the county had decided that the child would be returned. Um, you know, the boys are crying and Andy was crying and Andy's like, I, I, I can't do it. I can't take him to daycare today. So, um, you know, so I did that. And I think part of what allowed me to work through that process or decompartmentalize was that, you know, background of serving as a GAL and that other experience I had in Michigan and knowing that, you know, sometimes this is the process and, and you have to, 
you have to support it. And, you know, after I ended up taking that um, little boy back uh, to daycare, which at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure his mom picked him up. Um, Andy's like, I don't, I can't do this anymore. We can't foster anymore. It's too hard. And there was a quote that I saw once on a foster care board and it just, it just stuck with me. And it was, every child deserves a family whose heart breaks when they leave, right? Um, Because the child is, they're innocent in all of this and all they need is that that support, however short-term or long-term it may be. And so- That's that's powerful. I, I just, that's so powerful. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, so, you know, long story short, gentle, gentle push, AKA shove, uh, we ended up fostering again. Um, and you know, her name is Emma. And when Emma came to us, she was four months old and, you know, we always had the envision that if it worked out and the cards fell as they may, that we would really like to adopt um, a child if they became available through foster care. So, you know, Emma came to us when she was four months old, um, but you know, life works in mysterious ways. Um, So Emma was a sibling, she's in a sibling set of five and, um, or at that time four, because PJ wasn't born yet. and we had Emma for about a year and then, you know, they call us and they're like, well, her older brother um, who's in the system um, needs a place. You know, we really like to keep siblings together. Would you be willing to, you know, take take Riley? And the answer is always yes. Right. And so we're like, of course, you know. And so we brought Riley in and, you know. Has a different set of needs and, and hurdles that he's worked through in life just because of his situation. He was in the system a little bit longer. Um, and uh, so Riley came to us when he was three and a half. And and then about a year later, we get or I say we, but it's really me. There was no for me. <laughs> Let, yeah, let's 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 get that corrected. We right? <laughs> so they uh, they're like, okay, well. We knew mom was pregnant, but we didn't, we thought that, you know, typically how it works is, you know, the baby is born, there's some observation periods, et cetera. And then, you know, potentially, potentially that baby may be removed from her care, you know, six months to a year down the road. Well, that didn't happen this time. And what ended up happening was they called us when the baby was born, um, letting us know that, um, you know, the baby was going to be removed um, from the mother's care and that they needed someone to be able to foster, like directly out of the hospital, like once the baby was released, because, you know, and the baby's PJ or Paxton. And so, um, he was a preemie and so he was in the ICU for a little bit and, um, but we went to visit him and, and then once he was released, we, we brought him home and, um, it's, it was, it's a remarkable journey to go from no kids to three kids in about two and a half years. (laughs) Oh, yep. And, and, and I have figured out that you are on speed dial. With the foster care people. (laughs) Absolutely. And so uh, um, our story has a happy ending in the sense of, you know, they were with us for a long time. But uh, summer of 2019, we officially adopted all three. Um, And so we had a big we had a big adoption party and 
had a lot of family over and it was just a really remarkable experience. And, you know, I think one of the things that just because it has a happy ending and, you know, from foster, we went to adoption, there's still a lot of pieces to navigate that we're still trying to figure out, you know, as it relates to, um, so for example, Wisconsin is a closed adoption state, which means that, you know, once you, the, you know, the person who adopts, you can decide individually whether or not to have communication or share information with, with the birth parents. Um, and if you choose not to, um, then that's your right because we're a closed adoption state. Um, however, given the age that Riley was at when he came to us and the importance of just continuing to support the birth parents, um, we decided to continue to have contact, right? Now it's limited and it's very uh, specific as it relates to, you know, maybe sending pictures, um, you know, school pictures or, you know, other family pictures that we take or updates. Like they text me, I would say maybe about once a week and they just ask how the kids are doing. And, you know, I always respond letting them know or if there's something going on, um, you know, as relates to a concert, like, you know, I'll send them the video from the concert that, you know, Riley just participated in. So it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard, but, you know, I think, I think all the kids know, you know, that they are adopted. And, you know, when we have that um, anniversary date in August, you know, we call it, you know, our adoption day celebration. And, and I created this photography book that they can go through and, and look at and remember that day and all the people that were there to help help them celebrate that, um, but also um, try to keep them connected in, in the way that's appropriate, um, you know, to their to their birth family. That that's just amazing. Um, there's so many. Well, how old are they now? So PJ is three, um, three and a half. Emma is five and a half, and Riley is uh, going to be eight soon. Oh, you got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a busy house. It is, you know, and the other thing too, I mean, gosh, I hope I'm not talking too much, um, but uh, it's hard to talk too much when it's your episode. So. <laughs> Three snaps. <laughs> um, so, so like I said before, how I started the conversation was, you know, there, they were a sibling set of four. And then once PJ was born, they became a sibling set of five. So uh, Emma, Riley, and PJ have two older sisters that live in the Oshkosh area that, um, you know, are under a guardianship with their great-grandparents. And, you know, with COVID, it's been really hard because, you know, with the great-grandparents, we just wanted to be really mindful and safe, um, you know, not, not to, to spread anything or get anyone sick. And so now that you know, we're vaccinated and, and it, it feels a little bit like the reins are loosening a little bit. Um, you know, I'm actually going to be picking up the older two girls, uh, this coming Monday and it's going to be a surprise for Emma and Riley and PJ, and we're going to go to the pool together. And so, you know, it's my goal to do something so that way all five siblings can be connected, you know, during the summertime once a week. And then once school starts, probably once every other week or once a month, um, because those are their siblings. And even though they don't live together um, and they have, you know, a different life journey, I think it's important to keep them as connected as possible. So. 
That's just flat out amazing. <laughs> I, it's more amazing also that you're you're being thoughtful and taken in taken into consideration to make sure that that relationship with the other older two siblings is is still there. I mean that that makes such a difference, you know, in the future. They're gonna, you know, they're not gonna have to go find their sisters. Right. You know, they're gonna know their sisters and that yep. that just means the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the most recent update is the fact that um, you know, their sixth sibling was uh born a year ago in New York. And, you know, f- interestingly enough, we were actually reached out to um, when mom uh, gave birth to um, her sixth child, because now we're at a point where we have three of them. Um, but that was literally right when the pandemic just exploded in New York City. And there was a lot of uncertainty in, in our life. And the last thing I wanted to do was travel to New York and or even have a baby be traveling, you know, a newborn baby. And Andy, you know, I will say that sometimes he, I I can be the heart, but he can be the brain in relation to, um, you know, could we do it? Yes. But like, we're at a point where we've taken on so much. There's, you have to have faith in the system. You have to have faith that there's other good foster parents. You're not the only one. Right. And so I'm really happy to share that um, her name is Mia, and she was recently adopted by, uh, t- you know, a, a couple, uh, two men in New York, and we've had contact, we've shared pictures, and now we're at a stage where we're trying to plan, um, you know, are they going to come to Wisconsin to visit us, or are we going to go to New York at some point to visit them? Um, so that way, Mia um, knows, and uh, the children know uh, that they have another sibling out there and trying to keep this family as connected as possible, um, despite the miles and the distance. So you got to celebrate that. That's yeah, that's, that's good. Okay. So that's a journey. That's a lot going on right there. Uh, I don't think that's lifetime network. I believe that's TLC. Uh, there we go. <laughs> you know that 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 sounds like uh, one of those family shows on TLC. Um, so I think you know people would. I think people are interested. Like I, I think fostering is one of those things that crosses a lot of people's minds. But like I said, you know, you don't know what you don't know, and you might not know where to start or how to begin yeah. that journey and and how you know how easy or hard you know. It may be. Um, can you share a little bit about, you know, process or, or how sure. you connect or, you know, where? Do, how does someone look into it if they're interested? I mean, someone out there in the cash, they, they might be thinking, oh, I can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would, I'd have to pull up the site, but it's the county website. And if you just put in foster care, Winnebago County, um, that website will come up and I'm happy to, to send that to you afterwards. If you want to share that with any listeners that reach out, um, and certainly they can reach out to me if they, you know, want to have a conversation, um, you know, one-on-one as it relates to my experience. Um, but you know, kind of step by step, you know, it's first reaching out to the county and then they send you kind of basically what's known as an intake packet. Um, That's a lot of paperwork. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of paperwork that you have to fill out. Um, And then from there that gets reviewed. um, And then they typically do a home visit. 
Um, then there's an interview process. Um, and then at that point, you know, if all those, you know, T's are crossed and I's are dotted, you know, then it's a waiting game. And I will say, I was shocked how quickly we were placed, you know, with, with, you know, even our first placement to our now, you know, permanent family. Um, it, it, there's, there's a big need out there. There's a big need, um, for a variety of age brackets. And so, um, you know, we ended up choosing to do a, like a lower age bracket just because we had two older boys. Um, so we tried to balance that out. Um, but I will say too, that there's a lot of training, um, you know, gosh, I want to say it was like 20 hours a year or something like that, um, that you have to do. And some of it can be done before placement. Some of it can be do, done during placement. Um, but there's timelines and parameters. And there's also once you are placed with a child, you know, there are monthly visits, you know, with the social worker, caseworker, um, et cetera. And so I will say it, it is time intensive as it relates to, you know, completing all of the necessary paperwork and the trainings and the meetings. Um, and then there's also, we had, I, I forgot the terminology, but it was basically like a cross-functional team. So in, in, a, in addition to the home um, visits that we would have that are required, there was also meetings that I attended or was a part of um, as it relates to all of the different professionals that were in place to kind of support not only mom and dad, but also support the kids. And that was my opportunity to provide them updates as to how the kids were doing. Um, and then in addition to that, gosh, there was one more thing and now I forgot. Oh, darn it. Oh, the court dates. Hello. So so then, of course, you have the court dates as it relates to, you know, updates in the in the process and where the case is at. And, um, you know, and just so the listeners know, there's you're never asked to speak as a foster parent, you know, to any large extent. Um, it's really, you know, I chose to go just because of my background and and knowing the system and the process. I found it um, enjoyable, you know, to be able to attend those and stay connected to the legal community, but then to support, you know, the kids and kind of to be aware of, you know, day of as to kind of where the process is at and what you're doing. So I, I will say it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think the biggest thing though, or the challenge Challenges is that while we had a happy ending, you know, eventually with our after our first placement, um, it's hard, you know, and sometimes and and oftentimes the child may go back. And I think it's just about, you know, are you mentally in a place, um, you know, to be able to support that? Because of that, you know, the state's ultimate goal with foster care is reunification with birth family. And so I think it's important to know that going in. And in some capacity, being able to wrap your head around that and support that, because there could be a possibility or a probability um, that a placement or two may end up being, you know, returned or, or going home. Okay. Whew. So my last question is, what would you like to what would you like to say to maybe an aspiring foster or aspiring foster parents? Mm. What, what's, what do you want to share? Oh, I, I guess a couple of things. Um, the first one would be is, you know, 
I feel like it's a double negative. Like I mentioned before, when I was, a, you know, an attorney and, and I had those cases, I was like, well, now is not the right time. Um, and that's because I was single at that time and, and still kind of new in my career. And there was a lot of pieces I was juggling. Um, but I will say, if you wait for the quote unquote right time, it may never happen. Right. And so I think sometimes it's about diving in the deep end and having faith in the process and the system and knowing that there's a wide variety of resources out there to support you because there are so many children in the system waiting. Um, and so I think, um, you know, once you feel it in your heart, I think that's, that's what you need to do in order to kind of take that next step. Um, and then I think the last thing I would say is I, I would go back to that quote, which is, you know, it's hard, right? It's really, really hard. Um, but every child deserves a home whose heart breaks when they leave, right? It's about that support. And, you know, even if it's for a couple of days or a month or six months or a year, you're giving that child a loving home that is so critical to their growth, um, to their success, um, and just think, you know, where would, where would that child be if they didn't have that? So. That is amazing. Okay. Well, it's time for us to start wrapping up this episode of the Kosh. Um, as I always like to tell the Kosh listeners out there, um, we are a work in progress and we appreciate okay. you out there. No, um, reach out, email. I do get emails. You know, I respond personally to everything that comes in. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your topics. Let me know if you want to be on the show. You know, it's, <laughs> it is all open here on the Kosh. Please feel to re, uh, feel free to reach out at askthekosh at gmail.com. Once again, that is askthekosh at gmail.com. I love, love, love hearing from you all. And I love getting messages that I can share with our listeners or with our guests. That's, that's okay. always awesome. Um, and so also it is what I like to say is my favorite time of the show. It is shout out time. All right. So it is time for the shout outs. Jen, who you want to shout out? Oh, Gosh, I feel like it's almost the same as the Heroes Corner. I guess I do a shout out to the teachers, to the frontline workers. Um, and, you know, more importantly, I think I want to do a shout out, not um, a name in particular, but to, to those of us individually and collectively that are working towards making a difference and making this community and our broader community a better place. Okay. Uh, I got a few shout outs. Um, my shout out is going to be uh, if... Uh... If you don't know, now you'll know is um, I'm I'm doing a career change right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in this career change, you know, I'm, I'm leaving uh, the university and I just want to give the biggest shout out to the university. I cannot express the amount of well wishes and care um, that they have taken and people who've reached out and let me know in ways that we've and connected um it is it is family it, it is and i mean that so sincerely it is um the university is home and those people that care and work hard um and take care of the students and 
make great future professionals and great humans. I appreciate you. Huge shout out to the UW Oshkosh family. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, last thing. Parting words of wisdom. Jim, what do you got? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, you know, parting words of wisdom is probably a quote from Maya Angelou that's always just stuck with me. And it's, um, you know, you need to do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. That is deep. All right. Jen, this was awesome. Thank you for having me, Timber. Oh, no, this is a thank you for coming on the cash. This was huge. The cash. <laughs> <laughs>